Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SCS Nation, and welcome to yet another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And you might notice I am not wearing my headsets because once again, we are having another technical issue, but we will resolve this one this time. For some reason, the microphone does not want to connect, but we will uh, we will get it to connect in Blackwador in the Republic of Ireland telling us, here we go. Yes, we are going. Uh, the star of a once very popular YouTube channel with millions of followers. We just got our little silver play button. Carm just asked me what that is. I told her not to worry about it, but you get the gold one at a million. So we've got a ways to go for that one. But uh, Ruby Frankie had that um, until she pleaded guilty to multiple charges of child abuse. Well, her and her quote unquote uh, partner in all this, Jody Hildebrand, were in a Utah courtroom today uh, to be sentenced. And uh, what we experienced there today uh, was both interesting and disturbing. And uh, we've got some of the best attorneys out of Utah here to join, as well as one of the best child therapists in all the land and uh, wildfire saying great panel as usual. I think you will be very pleased with these best guests, starting off with Greg Scordis. He has practiced law since 1982, began his career at the Salt Lake Legal Def uh, Defenders Association, representing indigent defendants in criminal matters, and uh, he gained a great appreciation for the value, as he says, of competent legal representation and our Constitution's protections for victims and the accused. And that is why he is a criminal defense attorney looking sharp with your haircut, Greg. Don't think I didn't notice that. Uh, uh, next up, what's interesting here, not to create any tension, Greg Scordis <laughs> represents, or at least at one time, represented the family of Eric Richens in the Corey Richens case, the woman is accused of poisoning her husband with a five times a lethal dose of fentanyl. Sky Lazaro represents the defendant, Corey Richens. She is an experienced corporate and criminal defense attorney. She has successfully defended a broad range of criminal cases, including domestic violence allegations, sex crimes, drug crimes, property crimes, DUI, the list goes on. And as I mentioned, currently representing Corey Richens, uh, the Utah mom accused of poisoning her husband, Eric Richens. Uh, she wrote a grief book about that. Uh, if you want a competent defense attorney, you call Sky Lazaro, and that's what uh, Corey Richens did. Last but not least, we've got Darby Fox in Connecticut. She is a child and adolescent family therapist with over 25 years of experience with children and families from diverse backgrounds. Her first book, you might want to get it if you have a teenager. Rethinking your teenager, shifting from conflict and control to structure and nurture to raise accountable young adults. We need more people to be raising accountable young adults. And uh, she appears on everything, ABC, NBC, CBS, the whole uh, Megilla there. So uh, there you go. Uh, in court today, uh, Ruby Frankie. She broke down. Uh, we'll get into who she is exactly and why she broke down. But to start off, she broke down in tears as she spoke to the judge just moments before she was sentenced on child abuse charges. She's got a consecutive sentence 
of uh, I think it's one to 15 years, but the Utah, um, where is the precise wording of that? I'll have to find it. But in Utah, and we'll have Greg and and Sky explain it. Uh, they are sentenced by, I guess, the Department of Corrections or something affiliated with the Department of Corrections. But before we get to that, um, Darby, uh, did you buy her breaking down? Um, she, she broke out into some tears. Um, is it a little a dollar short a day late or do you think uh it was a genuine reaction uh i think joel it's a dollar a dollar short a day late um if you go through the whole um her whole eight minutes of her i don't know what you call it her confession or her speaking to um the judge it it's it's pretty contrite and um i don't believe it at all uh, how about that? The therapist does not believe it. Um, Greg Scordis, run us through this. So she faces, um, I think, four consecutive sentences, not concurrent. So back to back of one to 15 years. Um, how does this play out? Who who makes the who's the ultimate arbiter of the decision? So you you spelled it out pretty well when we started here, Joel, but we have what are called indeterminate sentences here in Utah. And for each of these counts, it carries from one to 15 years. The judge ran them consecutive, which was uh, part of the plea agreement. The Board of Pardons ultimately decides how much time she'll serve. So it's not even a it's not even a four to 60. The Board of Pardons can release her tomorrow. Now, that's not going to happen. There's no chance that that will happen. But there's no minimum term. There's the maximum term is 60 years, uh, but she's not going to serve that either. So the Board of Pardons will put her in a matrix. They will look at, at what uh, what her prior criminal history is, the nature of the crime, uh, her plea agreement, her acceptance of responsibility, and make a decision as to how much time she'll ultimately serve out of that 60 potential years. Sky Lazaro, uh, you have the answers to everything. How much time will she serve? Uh, as Greg just said, it was a board of, is it the board of pardons? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yes. the board of pardons and parole. Okay. So Sky, if you can just kind of clarify a little bit about what Greg said and what she will ultimately, and there's obviously two people here. There's um, uh, Ruby Frankie, but there's also Jody Hildebrandt. So what do you think Ruby will actually serve when it is all said and done? And by the way, how long does it take them to hand down this actual sentence? So the board has administrative rules. I'm kind of going to answer your questions in reverse. The board has administrative rules as to when uh, someone's entitled to get their original hearing based on the type of crime that they've been committed to the prison for. I don't actually remember what it is in this, but Within that time, she'll go before the board, they'll talk about what she did, talk about whatever programming she either needs to do or has done at the prison. And then at that point, you know, they could give her a release date or they could give her a rehearing date and say, you know, go take, you know, these classes or this programming uh, and then come back before us and we'll talk about it again. It, it's a, the board is, has just changed a little bit in composition, so it's a little hard to speculate uh, as far as time. The way the time's computed is she'll she'll do whatever the board kind of decides on that first sentence, and then forty percent of the matrix time for the consecutive sentences. So, you know, a, a second degree person crime 
one count with can be anything from probation to 54 months under the current matrix guideline. And, and Sky, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but I am, but if you had a guess, like, what do you, what do you think she, uh, Ruby, will actually serve? Um, what are we talking? We're talking four years? I think you saying- between four and seven, if she responds well to treatment. She, you know, I, I listened to her statements live this morning uh, for another program and uh, there was there was a lot of of blame shifting going on, but at least she acknowledged uh, to some extent her part in it, and I think that can can help her uh, before the board of pardons and parole. They're going to want to see that you know she certainly served a punitive sentence, but they're going to want to do a risk assessment on her, and then also you know there's a rehabilitative aspect to this. So if she responds well and does a bunch of classes. You know, she could get a, a, a decent good time cut. Uh, by the way, shout out to KCL, who's in Salt Lake, and she's been helping us with the Shanna Gardner case out of Jacksonville. And we're doing that again tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We're looking at how uh, public relations PR can help spin facts in a defendant's favor. And uh, Shanna Gardner comes from a lot of money. So uh, there's some stuff in some of the court documents. And we have a PR expert coming on tomorrow with Tim Jansen and one other guest. Um, before I get back to Darby, um, Greg Scordis, how big a deal is this in uh, in Utah right now, this case? Well, like Sky indicated, she did another program earlier today. It's been something that has been big news. Um, this is a small uh, part of the southwest corner of the state, Washington County. Uh, they don't get a lot of it's. Uh, a lot of interesting cases down there. I mean, it, it's, it is a little bit of almost a retirement community, but both of these women pled guilty to four second degree felonies. That's one to 15 years each. It wasn't, and they agreed as a part of their plea agreement, Joel, that they would serve prison and that they would serve it consecutively. So the, the community was outraged and it's, it's traveled throughout the entire state. This case has taken on a lot of interest, not only because of the fact that there were children who are victims. Anytime you've got kids who are victims, um, you know, it really touches the heart of a lot of people. But because of, of the hypocrisy, sort of where you started this program, that the fact that they were really teaching one level of uh, child discipline and practicing quite another, and the and the brutality of it. I mean, the, the facts of the case were really quite awful, what they had done to these children. And in, in Frankie's case, her own children, so, yeah, I mean, this was something that drew a lot of attention. It's been big news today. I mean, tomorrow, maybe it's not so much. But, yeah, they're going to prison. They're going to prison for a long time. And like uh, Sky said, uh, you know, years in prison, not months. And uh, these are horrific acts. And we'll, we'll get into them. Um, um, I don't want to get too detailed because it's very disturbing. But we'll get into some of the details. Uh, KDH. Um, I apologize, Darby, I'm going to get back to you in a sec, but this is a legal question. Uh, Sky, to you, is the idea behind indeterminate sentencing to take sentencing out of the judge's discretion? Is that what's going on here? I actually sit on the sentencing commission. (laughs) 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 The purpose, if you were to ask uh, the sentencing commission, uh, is to uh, have sentences be... um, I can't even think of the word. It's been a long day. Equal. Um, so there aren't disparate sentences from from one court to another. They want 
things to be congruent across the state. If you're sentenced in Washington County by one judge, they want the time you would serve to be, you know, similar to if you're sentenced in, you know, somewhere up in northern Utah. They're, what they were trying to do is, is by giving it to the Board of Probation and Parole, um, or the, the Board of Pardons is and Parole, uh, is to get rid of that disparate sentencing. So you didn't have some some judges sentencing someone to 50 years because they're absolutely disgusted by a case and somebody putting them out on probation in a similar case in, in a different place. So th that's the idea behind indeterminate sentencing uh, is to is to make sure that there aren't disparities in, in different locations and by different judges. Uh, Sky, your audio is off in touch. The good thing is we've got an uh, audio file, Space Coast. I'm going to bounce you out for a second, have Space Coast try to work okay. with you for a second, and then we'll bring you back. Okay. Thank God for Space Coast. Uh, Sherry Davis says, late 2, 2x speed back as I was watching Dr. G. If anyone's going to be late because of Dr. G, it's okay in my books. I love Dr. G. Uh, he's doing some uh, amazing work here. Um, I love this comment. Jennifer Sims, good evening, STS fam. Ugh, I'm late. I'm getting upset. My work schedule is interfering with my STS live shows. I have a piece of advice. Quit your job. Tell your boss <laughs> to shove it. Tell your boss okay. to shove it. Um, Sky, Sky, are you back? I think so. Is that better? It's a little better, but the – oh, that's better. It's a touch It's a touch better. But uh, we're going to have to send you a microphone. You're too high-powered an attorney, <laughs> Sky Lazaro. The COE will send you a microphone. Darby Fox, um, interesting strategy by Ruby Frankie's attorney. Uh, the defense attorney basically said, look, she was indoctrinated by Jody Hildebrand, her quote unquote business partner that she says wasn't her business partner, um, and says that Ruby has unwrapped the layers of deceit and deception forced upon her by Jody uh, and says that she is actually a delightful and respectful person. And this was a direct quote coming up from uh, Ruby Frankie. She says, I was led to believe this world was an evil place filled with church leaders that lie and molest and children who need abuse. My choice to believe this led to criminal behavior. Jody Hildebrandt was never my business partner. She was my son's counselor. What is going on here, Darby? I mean, this is really disturbing that she's, you know, she's basically coming out and saying that someone told her the world is an evil place and that these church leaders lie and molest. Uh, and this is why, even if that's the case, this doesn't give you reason to, you know, obviously um, abuse your own child. But what what is going on here psychologically, do you think? Well, I think it's it's a common psychological um, sort of ploy. And she might even believe that someone who is, has a sociopathic or, um, even like here, a malignant narcissist personality, they don't see anything as being their fault. It's either, um, it's somebody else did it to them always. If it goes wrong, they only own things that are going well. And so I think that that makes sense if you look at it from that perspective. Um, it's just, it's really tricky if you look at the scope of how long she's been a parent since 2003, up until now, and the number of kids and the fact that it's happened repetitively, it's kind of um, 
it puts a lot of uh, doubt in that kind of a um, apology or sort of her ability to think that that is somehow going to be a plausible excuse. Mm. Uh, definitely not a plausible excuse in my book. From KDH, um, Greg, a lot of questions about this sentencing. It's confusing because everyone thought she was going to actually get the sentence handed over uh, today, but not the case. Uh, just the guidelines, basically. But does the board have to unanimously agree on a defendant's sentence? Does that have to be unanimous? No, it doesn't. I mean, but typically they'll come to an agreement. I mean, the board is uh, made up of people who, who try to have sort of a similar mindset. Some are former prosecutors. Some are former defense attorneys. Some aren't even uh, either one. But my experience with the board is that they usually come to a consensus on decisions, but no, it doesn't have to be unanimous. Uh, they'll they'll just arrive at that. But Sky made a good point, and that is that we wanna have uh, sort of fairness across the board in the state. I ran the guidelines for these two women, and it wasn't as much time as you might expect. The, the guideline number that I came up with was something like 40 months that they would probably serve in prison. Now, I think, that's the guideline range, and that's the what the board is sort of sort of the over and unders, so to speak. My guess is they'll go substantially over that because of the facts of this case and the notoriety, especially on Hildebrand, who we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Frankie is, is she'll be lucky if she does forty months, uh, and 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 they're not they're not young people necessarily. Uh, I would guess that. They may do more time than even what Sky indicated. My guess is that they could do closer to 10 years. Mm. Uh, someone says, who is Darby? Darby is a uh, therapist, very well known, and uh, specializes uh, in therapy of families and children. So that's your answer, Sue. Uh, Wesley John Holmes, who comes to us uh, in Tokyo via Australia. The problem with these sentences, regardless of the plea, plea deal, they will both be eligible for parole, which sickens me to the core with crimes against children. It's wrong. Sky Lazaro, are these sentences too lenient for uh, abuses against children, especially the ones in this case? Well, there's a number of bills up before our legislature that would like to uh, follow his role and increase everything. Uh, but, you know, these are secondary degree felonies. That's how they were charged. And the sentences were run consecutive. I don't know that it gets, you know, much worse as as far as from the standpoint of what the prosecutors can bring and what the courts can do. So it really is dependent on what the Board of Pardons does with this. Uh, the reality is, is there's a lot of things I think that that we don't like as a society, but, you know, we have taken the position in our criminal justice system that there's a rehabilitative, rehabilitative side to this and and that people will have that opportunity to to do their time and then, you know, take some programming and some classes and come out on parole and supervision and try to reassimilate into society. Uh, just to give a little background, so um, Ruby Frankie is the mom of six, uh, no longer uh, parenting them as she's about to serve uh, prison time. Literally uh, millions of subscribers on her YouTube, YouTube channel, which I believe she started in 2015. Um, there was an incident back in 2023 where one of uh, her sons escaped, and we'll talk about that. And that's how basically they were outed. But the irony of all this, um, 
to you, Darby, is that she was giving parenting advice on her now defunct Eight Passengers is what it was called, YouTube channel. Um, Hildebrandt, meanwhile, so there's two people here. She operated a, a counseling business called Connections Classroom. Connections, it's spelled funny. But um, Darby, how do you square the fact, and there you see them, Jody on the left and uh, Ruby Frankie on the right, and then uh, vice versa on the other photo, Ruby on the left and Jody on the right there. Um, but Darby, how do you square the fact that of all things on you, I mean, she could have been hosting a true crime show, but she was literally giving uh, parenting advice and then gets caught in this abuse situation where she's abusing her children. Again, Darby, I don't mean to be redundant, but what, what is going on here psychologically with this woman? Well, again, that kind of goes to the belief that um, once she gains notoriety with the parenting show, it's almost like the external world has helped her believe, oh, yeah, actually, I am a good parent because all these people are listening and people are tuning in and they want to hear what I do. So I must be right. And it's sort of a way of boosting a really weak ego or self-esteem is look at look at me and look at what I'm getting. And what that does, and, and we have several cases um, in this country where what happens is then people almost start to believe what they're doing, right? They believe that they are that person. And um, the scary part is she connected. It's a little unclear. I mean, she says she's not her business partner with Jolie Hildebrand, but her connections um, I don't know what you would call it, or her connections sessions that you could sign up for were actually pretty successful. And she was bringing in a lot of people based on a certain theory that is actually very distorted and disturbing. But people who don't know or are struggling with something just really want to find someone to like follow. And so from a psychological perspective, I think again, she gets very out of control. She's, she's a sociopath. I mean, what she did, she has no regard for her kids or any of the other people. Her husband, it's interesting that her husband hasn't been charged. I don't know what the attorneys think about that. Yeah, that um, I was just going to bring that up. Logical perspective. How did he not know? Um, but there's a lot of sort of odd pieces here. Yeah. And Josie Chaplin, I don't want to pull it up because I want to keep this question up, but she says the husband needs to be charged too. He filed for divorce. Uh, we will uh, ask the questions of the attorneys about that. But Little Lamb, a lot of questions about how this sentencing really plays out. Greg Scordis, will there be victim impact statements when the board finally decides on the actual sentence? Will we hear from victims here? I mean, the weird thing is these victims are the young children of Ruby Frankie. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume there have already been some victim impact statements on behalf of, of the victims, maybe written by a, a guardian or maybe the father or something like that. And that would have been in the pre-sentence report that the judge had today. And that will be transferred to the Board of Pardons. Now, I think the, the question you're really asking is when, when she comes up for parole in three or four or five or 10 years, whatever the number is, Will the victims be able to participate in that in the form of victim impact statements? And the answer is yes. Now, we don't, as a society, want children, people under the age of 18, uh, to have to come forward if they don't want. And in this case, that will be true. We certainly won't expect them to come forward when the 
perpetrator is their own mother. So to the extent they want to participate, they probably can. If daddy wants to chime in and, and talk about what's happened to them, and what, what they, what, how they've experienced or what they've experienced as a result of this, he'll be able to do that. But yes, when, when a person comes up for parole in Utah, victims are, are invited to the parole hearing. They're allowed to, to participate, at least present something in the form of what you've just described, the victim impact statement, and make sure that the parole board knows that there are still injuries caused by the by the underlying conduct that are maybe the victims in this case will say, you know, we've forgiven and we are okay with, with uh, our, our mother coming home now. We don't know, but that's going to be decided the years down the road. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, it's not her fault and it's not, well, it's our fault much more than hers, but a little bit of an issue with Sky's audio, not, not much we can do with it. Just a little hollow, but it's okay. Um, La Mesa here wants to know, did the panel, Sky U, notice Ruby distancing herself, saying she was never business partners with Jody, and then the state insisted on using language countering that uh, not once but twice? This feels important. Um, in terms of legal wrangling, does um, Ruby's defense attorney have a strategy here, and is it failing to try to distance herself? I don't think it matters from the standpoint of the plea. The plea is what it is. Um, I do think it potentially matters from a standpoint of what the board ultimately decides to do. Uh, I don't, her distancing herself was kind of interesting to me, but then after listening to Darby today, it also, you know, makes some sense as to why, you know, she, she was doing this YouTube channel with her. They were living together. I mean, there was, there was a lot of intermingling of lives going on for her to now just say, you know, look, I was brainwashed and, and I didn't know what was happening. Uh, I, I can understand why she would want to distance herself from that and, and not want to be a part of it. I don't know that that came across to me as real sincere. Yeah, uh, definitely did not to me. From uh, MCR here, glad to see Darby in the house tonight. Do you think the adrenaline Darby of Ruby's YouTube popularity fueled her bad decisions in some strange way. Do you think that, I don't know, her ego got inflated and, you know, her sadistic tendencies were exacerbated because of that? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think that um, I, you can't watch them now because they're offline. I would love to have watched them and seen some of the advice she was giving. But I think it is important, yes, it's absolutely adrenaline, whatever it is, it's this um, sort of omnipotent idea, like other people really like me, and that empowered her to go ahead and do the sadistic things that she was doing. And um, the range, what we look at sometimes in the abuse and child abuse cases, is when we see the range of not only children and the types of crimes, the, you know, taping their hands together, the starvation, those are very pervasive. It's not, and I'm not minimizing this, but it's a different type of personality that would possibly burn a child or a one-off. A hit is very different than these lengthy kinds of prolonged pieces of abuse, which are very, very disturbed. And um, I think she felt empowered by the fact she justified her behavior because of the parenting show. 
Yeah. And Darby, just a question that's floating in my head as you're speaking. Um, this case happens to be garnering a ton of attention. Um, but what I found really interesting, we just did a show on Cain uh, Velasquez. He's the former UFC heavyweight champion. His young son was um, being sexually abused by a male who he went after with a gun. Um, and I noticed there wasn't, um, probably because of me, but no, I noticed there was not not a lot of attention. But I've also noticed with some of these cases um, it doesn't necessarily garner the same sort of attention because I think it is so disturbing to the public writ large that they don't, it's hard for people to hear these stories. Is there anything to that where people are, you know, they're, they're curious, obviously, but it's almost too much to listen to. It's too much to bear. I, I think that that is an important part of it, right? There are so many people who, um, I, I spoke to one of my daughters earlier and she asked what I was doing. She's like, oh, don't, like, I can't hear that. Like, don't talk about it. So I don't think people are really doing it to push things away, but it's very hard to hear and, and hear how extended it is um, with six kids over several years. So I, I do think sadly, and children don't have quite the notoriety and the rights in this country as older people. You just, you don't, you know, we try and kind of protect them or keep them out of it. And it, it happens across the board. Uh, the COE pulled some sound. Before we get there, two questions for Greg Scordis. Greg, you mentioned uh, because of the public nature of this case, um, speak to me about, um, how public sentiment, there's a lot of outrage. How does that factor into sentencing? It is somewhat subjective, I assume. And the sentiment, the negative sentiment can't help too much. Is that right? Yes. And part of this, part of the reason for the public sentiment about this case, Joel, is like what, last time we were talking about Lori Vallow, when you have a situation of a mother harming her own child, that, that not only raises the, the public sentiment about the case, because most of us can't fathom that. You just can't. But there's, that's also a, that also is a, another sword for the Board of Pardons to look at and say, look, if we, if we put these people, if we put uh, uh, Ruby Frankie next to other people who have abused children, where do we put her when the children are her own? And, and I think that you've got to take that into account in terms of the depravity of this, in terms of the, the cruelty of it, because, I mean, how do, you, how do you harm your own kid, no matter how much influence you're getting from uh, Hildebrand or whatever? So that, that not only played into the fact that this got so much attention publicly, like the Lori Vallow case, who, you know, she killed her own children as well. She killed her own children. And, and you know, people went crazy. People were watching that from all over the the planet really and this case has drawn the same type of attention because you don't hurt your own kid you just don't do that and that has really caused a lot of people to, to really look closely at this and say what what is wrong with this picture yeah and you couple that with the fact that she was giving parenting advice of all things so it's um a cautionary tale you always have to be careful uh where you're getting your information and who you are getting it from especially uh in this twisted day and age um scott sky from sue i am confused a lot of people are here do they serve uh on year and then the do they serve on year and then the parole board decides on their sentence is 
and is parole heard yearly? So how does this, is it a yearly thing? Or are they just going to get this sentence handed down from the, uh, the board of parole no, or whatever the hell it's the called? Board, <laughs> the board, the board are, are full-time board members. They also have some pro tem members that are, uh, people within the, uh, community that are appointed to it. And so what they'll do is they'll get the file from the court and they'll they'll look on it and decide when to set the original hearing. We don't know when that's going to be. And that doesn't mean that they're going to get paroled on that date. So I know this is kind of a, a non-answer, but I think that the answer really is we don't know. It, it, it won't, you know, it won't just be a year and then they'll say come back in a year. Um, it'll it'll be set and then they'll, you know, either give them a, a date that they might be paroled or they'll give them a rehearing date sometime in the future. Okay. Uh, Ryan says, I love listening to true crime, but cases against children are the hardest to follow. Uh, this comment right back to back. I find Adam Montgomery impossible to listen to. Uh, he is accused of murdering his own daughter and beating her. Uh, in the back of a car, then going to Burger King and uh, ordering a Whopper and doing some drugs. Um, I'll be honest, that would, we did a story on that, and uh, it is very disturbing. Um, can't look at this analytical Blarney AB. Never, this is the first ever listening from the shower. And hope everyone is having an amazing Tuesday. Um, that is a whole different kind of visual. Friend of the show, analytical Blarney AB. Um, Make sure you're using shampoo and soap and all that good stuff. Uh, stay on that. Uh, what's going on here? I have very little sympathy for those who prey upon those uh, that they deem weak. Uh, let's remove this comment, a good comment. And let's, this is Ruby Frankie today. Um, COE and I didn't have time to uh, discuss at length. So we'll find out what this is together and then we will break it down. Here we go. Counsel and guidance that has led me into a dark delusion. My distorted version of reality went largely unchecked as I would isolate from anyone who challenged me. I was led to believe that this world was an evil place filled with cops who control, hospitals that injure, government agencies that brainwash, church leaders who lie and lust, husbands who refuse to protect, and children who need abused. My choice to believe and behave this paranoia culminated into criminal activity for which I stand before you today ready to take accountability. Um, I find that statement, Darby, we can play it back. When we're, first of all, that's her audio on her end. I find that really disturbing. She sounds almost like she's going with the uh, paranoid schizophrenic defense here. She's blaming all these entities, all these people. Um, how do you view that? Uh, she's she's not, you know, she's deflecting all the blame until the very last couple of words. Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect anything different. Someone that we can speak of who would do that to the children. And I love her statement that she says, I believe I was taught to believe children need to be abused. Um, I was paranoid. I withdrew. So she's using sort of a sick mental i'm i'm paranoid i'm um so, sort of i'm i'm not well but then 
she doesn't make the connection to her actions, right, as being something that are also her responsibility. And when we see that, that's a really important sign of someone who actually is in in control of their behavior. Um, They're just choosing now that they've been caught, which is really important. She talked about all the isolation. So it works really well. And we see these people time and time again, um, all of this is done in isolation. And then they're very powerful. When they get caught, then, you know, when we pull the curtain down, All of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, it must have been somebody else's fault. I'm really, I'm really not well, and that is what we would expect to see from someone who can do this to their own children. Her depraved indifference is pretty textbook antisocial behavior. Hey, Mona's not buying it. Blamey BS. Um, Greg Scordis, do we know? So the husband is has filed for divorce, divorce, but a lot of people are asking, why has he, here we go, Lindsay Shea right here. I don't get why her husband, Kevin, isn't being charged. Do we know why? Why not? I would assume, Joel, that the county attorneys who were very aggressive in this case uh, made an assessment that either they didn't have a strong enough case against him to bring charges, or he may have been a, a person who provided information to the state to help them put up their case, improve their case, and there may be some exchange of, of uh, favor for that. Uh, but I, I would assume that the, the more logical reason is that he, and I know this is going to be hard for a lot of people to believe, may not have really appreciated or understood or known exactly what was going on. Now, I know that's hard to believe when you look at kids who are bound and and put through all of this torture, how daddy is completely asleep at the wheel. But for the state not to have charged him, there must have been a good reason because this was, Joel, a very aggressive prosecution. And they went they went hard after these two women. So for them not to charge him with anything at all, it leads me to believe that they felt that they wouldn't have been able to, to prevail on a case against him. I did not know this. Dana Broyd saying he does not have custody of his kids, though. Um, I don't know if if uh, Greg do you, or Sky, do you happen to know who who's who has custody of the children? To either of you, I, I I don't know how he couldn't. I mean, mom's gone. He's the likely yeah. person, unless uh, they've been taken away from him for some reason. Uh, so he may not have had custody at the time when this was all occurring, uh, but he's the presumptive uh, custodial parent now. That's for sure. Uh, I'm going to replay this sound because uh, it's it's upsetting, and I just want to listen to it actually for myself again, and then get Sky's take on this because um, it's a pitiful attempt at uh, getting empathy. I think I'm to follow counsel and guidance that has led me into a dark delusion. My distorted version of reality went largely unchecked as I would isolate from anyone who challenged me. I was led to believe that this world was an evil place filled with cops who control, hospitals that injure, government agencies that brainwash, church leaders who lie and lust, husbands who refuse to protect, and children who need abused. My choice to believe and behave this paranoia culminated into criminal activity for which I stand before you today ready to take accountability. Uh, just taking some notes here. She's talking about government, government entities, hospitals, clergymen. Uh, Sky Lazaro, 
do you think that her attorney helped her craft that? Because uh, she's not a very good attorney, if that's I the case. Not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Greg's been there too. We, we've all been standing at that lectern when we have suggested to our clients about how they should respond or not say anything at all. And they, you know, decide to take things into their own hands. So. What do you do? Do you kick them in the ankle well, when they I, do I that? I wear orange stilettos most days, so I've stepped on people. Um, <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> they don't stop. Uh, you know, some. I, I, I started at the legal defender's office like Greg, and I, so I've represented a, a myriad of characters as well. And there's just some people that have to, want to, need to say their piece, and no amount of client control is going to fix that no matter how hard we try and and they have a right to be heard um you know i've i've drafted things for clients before that they have not read so hmm. uh well that that was crafted by our attorney i would fire that attorney <laughs> um l 54 here kevin the husband is one of jody's victims there was a gentleman that spoke after the sentencing and jody did the same thing to his family and many others the church supported her uh, KCL here, by the way, speaking of Lori Vallow, she goes to trial in Arizona, another cuckoo for uh, Cocoa Puffs there, for the murder of her husband, Charles Vallow, on August 1st, 2024. Uh, I was uh, actually very humbled. Some uh, members of the uh, Vallow family reached out. They want to appear on the show, and we're working on getting um, uh, on this show soon. So stay tuned uh, for that, especially as we head into Chad's trial and then of course uh, Lori Vallow as KCL just pointed out um Darby one of the questions everyone is asking is and by the way I tried to find out if anyone knows if Jody has her own children let me know but uh, I couldn't figure that one out um but um what are the chances Darby that Ruby Frankie herself was abused as a child um is it likely that she was I don't know if you could say it's likely. I mean, with anything else, if you're abused as a child, we see it's really a 50-50 thing. You can either abuse or not abuse. So I, I would hate to say that. There is enough. It sounds like her sisters and her family members really were trying to um, get the kids out of the home and were aware of what was going on. And if that were the case, um, I'm not sure that I would say she in no point put the blame in that statement or in her other things. She's not putting her blame back on her own family of origin. She's putting it on either Jody, she was taught, or the the church. Somehow she had distorted um, God's word. So she's. I, I think that she would have blamed it on her family if indeed that were the case. I mean, I could be totally wrong. That's just a guess. But typically people say, I, you know, I learned it by being abused. Hmm. Um, and that's an interesting take, an educated guess from a therapist. Becky Ireland says, who led her to believe that crap? Jody, no way. She was mistreating her kids before she ever met Jody. I would tend to believe that that is probably true. Uh, yeah. Boho Hobo, we're still working on uh, getting this woman sent me songs that she uh, created and uh, put together of the Adelson family, uh, who's uh, 
up the river without a paddle or down the <laughs> creek without a paddle or whatever, however that old saying goes. Um, does Ruby Frankie have any communication with her children? And is she allowed to have any communication with her children while she serves time in prison? Um, Greg, I don't know the answer to that. You probably don't know the answer to that, but my my guess is to think that she will not be allowed to have contact with these kids. What What do you say? Yeah, I'm certain that since the charges have been filed, she's been disallowed any contact because they are arguably victims, or excuse me, arguably witnesses who would testify against her. And so uh, you would have a, a no contact order or something like that. As they move forward, I, I think that the Board of Pardons and maybe even the DCFS, the Division of Child and Family Services, will chime in and decide to what extent she can have a communication with her children going forward. Certainly when they turn 18, they can communicate with her as much or as little as they choose. But until then, uh, the state and the Board of Pardons and others may decide how much communication she has, whether that's in writing, she can send them letters, she can send them birthday cards, that type of thing. I, I would, I, I think it'd be difficult to just say to her, maybe not. I mean, I, I just looking at some of the comments from some of your listeners, they're pretty hard on her as they very well should be. But I think it'd be difficult to just say, you can't communicate with your kids for the next five or six years. That would be, that would be tragic. Although what she did to the children certainly warrants something like that. So I, I know I'm dancing around the question, but I just don't think there's going to be any direct contact with them, anything will be supervised or at least regulated by, by other entities. Sharon letting me know Jody has adult children. Jody has children, Joel, uh, followed by, I believe Jody has one estranged daughter, but they're adults and probably have been to hell and back. Um, so uh, wouldn't wish that on anyone. It is worth saying is taking the innocence of these young kids. So, uh, horrible to hear that um ruby frankie is she saying that you what do you think here um what do you think darby do you think she was saying that she was essentially brainwashed by her faith is that, I is think that she's claiming that that's part of it um i think she also speaks to other people and you know institutions certainly so i don't think it's just her faith but i do think that's part of it hmm. so getting to how this all you know broke wide open she had this youtube channel for i believe it was seven years very successful um so it came to light after one of her sons ruby frankie's sons escaped from jody hildebrandt's house this was back in august and begged a neighbor for help um he, he ran over there the neighbor called uh 911 the 12-year-old boy was malnourished and had multiple open wounds and was bound with duct tape. Um, some of these calls were released uh, back in August, and uh, it is just really disturbing that basically uh, he climbed out of the window, ran away, and the neighbor says, and I quote here, I just had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my door asking for help. And he said, he had just come from a neighbor's house, and we know there's been problems at this neighbor's house, the person says. The neighbor goes on to say, he is emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry, and he's thirsty. Darby, you hear that? Um, very unsettling, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so disturbing. Um, and how long had it been going on? I, it's... It's really sad. 
And the two older children who are now 19 and 20, I, you know, it's hard to get the total details, but they said, finally, someone listened to us. So they were trying to draw attention to it. Um, I don't know if they were combating Jody and their mom. Um, somebody was countering what they were saying. Um, the quote goes on, Greg Scordis. This is the neighbor now on the 911 call uh, after this boy of Ruby Franks ran away from Jody Hildebrandt's house. The neighbor says he has duct tape around each ankle. There's sores around them. He is. He has him around his wrist as well. His voice is shaky. He's distraught. The kid is obviously, he's been detained. He's obviously covered in wounds. Greg, forget being a lawyer for a minute. You're a father. What goes through your head when you hear this? Just how does that happen? And I love to, to spend an hour with Darby someday and just find out why, to how a parent could ever get to this point how a parent could ever harm their own child in any way. I mean, you, you, you just, you just don't do that. I mean, it's, it's just the, it's the way we're all, it's, it's a natural selection. It's the way we are all raised. It's the way people come about and people be are good parents for a reason. We raise kids. We want to do anything we can for our kids, especially little kids. I mean, these were nine and 12 at the time this case was charged nine and 12. Talk about a vulnerable population. Talk about a vulnerable uh, couple of kids. It, it doesn't get any more vulnerable than that. And and what what about them going forward? They're going to need to be in counseling. They're going to need to be in, in therapy. Uh, I hope dad has his head together. We don't know that. And, and whether the state's going to have to jump in and help them or relatives or family members or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I, it, it's hard to listen to something like that when you consider that the perpetrator was their own mother. Horrific. Uh, from Jeanette R., the church sent people to Jody for counseling for years. Sky Lazaro, a couple of questions. Number one, um, will we see um, suits filed against the church itself um, for, for, you know, neglect here? You know, the, any civil suits would have to come from a representative of the victims in this case. So it's hard to say what they'll pursue. Uh, suits against, you know, the church are, are difficult. I think they've been, you know, brought or attempted in, in a various different types of cases, including some, some sex cases and some different things. But, you know, to, to blame this wholeheartedly on, on a a large worldwide religion or, or any religion, I think is a little bit tough just from a civil legal perspective, unless you can find there's some furtherance um, or knowledge uh, on behalf of um, the church. But likely if that's the case, it's going to come from or are going to be targeted towards the individuals the bishops or, or or state presidents or whoever it was who was making the referrals, uh, not necessarily the church itself. Mm. Uh, Destiny Salazar here in Jody's autobiography. I didn't know she had one. She recounted being abused as a child and rejected traditional therapy because she felt the therapist let her off easy. So messed up. Um, Sky, back to you. Um, 
Ruby is likely to get the stiffer sentence, uh, don't you think? But in some ways, it seems like Jody might be, um, I don't know, just as worthy, if not worthy or more culpable of a longer sentence. What do you think? I think, I mean, I think they they found that they were both, you know, part of the abuse that was going on. I don't know that it was ever differentiated in between who actually committed the acts and who maybe was just complicit in it. So I, I suspect they're both going to do uh, some significant time. Um, I don't know that Ruby will do more just because she's their mother. I, if Jody continues, at least from what was portrayed at her sentencing hearing today um, and the represent, representations made by the state that, that there were phone calls that, you know, she was essentially blaming everyone and that she did nothing wrong. You know, if she maintains that attitude uh, into her prison commitment, it's, it's going to be a little bit harder road for her. Greg Scordis, uh, I'm looking at this. Jody has her house on the market for $5.3 million. Hope the kids get every penny of that money. I hope they do too. But um, Corey Richens and Eric Richens, they bought a house for $2.2 million in Utah that looked like, uh, I don't know, like an island unto its own. So I can't imagine what $5.3 million in this area of Utah looks like. But uh, needless to say, I'm sure it is a rather... A large house. Uh, this is a sad comment here, but um, Ravenna, Denver. I got abused in that church 30 years ago, and I still have to go to therapy. I had to go back when this case broke. Very sorry to hear that. And this goes to show, Darby, um, these kids will likely never be the same. Uh, do you agree with that? I agree. It, it's really hard. I mean, the one relationship, possibly even more than a father, that you're supposed to be able to trust is your mother from a bonding perspective and um for the depth and the depravity of what happened and for how long it's it's really going to be hard for them to overcome that hmm. um let's i'm gonna get rid of this comment here and uh let's play this is now jody hildebrandt uh speaking here we go hildebrandt. I sincerely love these children. I desire for them to heal physically and emotionally. One of the reasons I did not go to trial is that I did not want them to emotionally relive the experience which would have been detrimental to them. My hope and prayer is that they will heal and move forward to have beautiful lives. I am willing to submit to what the state feels would be an appropriate amount of time served to make restitution as an outcome. And in answer to your question, Your Honor, I knew that whatever she might say to the author of the pre-sentence report would probably be sound uh, hollow or, and self-serving, and perhaps it does today. But I know that my client, in the statement that she makes to the court today, that that, that, that statement is absolutely sincere. Not does just Hildebrandt recognize that it's her behavior that that caused the harm to the children that she's referred to in her statement? Your Honor, she recognizes that she was, along with Miss Frankie, um, that 
that she made decisions with respect to the discipline of those children that were wrong, that caused harm to those children. She fully recognizes that and accepts responsibility for that. All right. Anything else? No, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Okay. Uh, that is pathetic attempt number two right there. Uh, Darby, what do you what do you make of that? Um, and then the lawyer had to jump in to say that she's actually being sincere in case anyone thought otherwise. But what do you make of it? I mean, I mean, with her starting off saying how much she truly loved them is, I mean, that's it's the most offensive thing she probably could have said is that I truly love these kids and I hope they go on to have a beautiful life or something right at the end. I'm not sure which adjective, if it was beautiful or what she said. Um, I, it's, you know, maybe it's slightly more believable because she didn't put all the blame elsewhere, but um, she didn't care about these kids. They care that they got caught. Yep. Uh, I'm going to play it one more time in a second because uh, it's tough to catch everything in the first go around. Nikki Coos uh, with the super chat here. What kind of security, Greg, will this prison have? What kind of prison will they go to and would they be put in the same prison? They'll certainly be in the same prison. They won't be in the same pod. They won't be together. There's there's almost no chance that these two will even even in the jail that they're currently in, uh, which ironically is called purgatory it's the the washington county jail um they're probably in separate units separate pods and that's where they'll be for the for the remainder but uh, once in a while our prison will send its inmates to some of the local county jails if there's any uh benefit to that for the both the prison and the inmates but yeah they'll be in the same prison they'll be in separate units they'll be uh treated differently the board of pardons will look at their progress uh uh, differently and objectively and try to decide how one of them may have done while they're in prison as opposed to the other and make decisions. Uh, having said that, there's probably little likelihood that they'll both get out on the same day. I mean, we're going to have to evaluate each of them independently and decide where they'll be at the prison, how they'll be treated at the prison, when they'll get out. Uh, by the way, I'm with the COE on this one. It's called Purgatory <laughs> Correction. That's a nickname, right, Greg? No, no that's the that's the real name. It is. Well, I never want to go to prison. I especially don't want to go to prison. Is that that's a cruel joke that they would name a prison purgatory? Um, wow, that's all I can say. That's all I can it's say. A, it's a nice little jail in the southern part of the state, Joel. Don't let that name mess I love that. Greg's so nice. He's going to talk me into going there. Um, maybe I'll visit. Um, Darby, to you, just to finish up the story about the son running away, which he did, um, the boy later tells investigators that Jody Hildebrandt, who we're going to listen to again, would put cayenne pepper and honey on their wounds. The neighbors were so concerned, by the way, that the quote goes from one of the neighbors, according to NBC News, everyone is just breathing a collective sigh of relief because we thought they were going to come out of that house with body bags. Um, Darby, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, victim shaming here in terms of neighbors, but I mean, what do you do in a situation if you think something unkosher is going on at a neighbor's house? I mean, what's your responsibility? Cause, uh, these neighbors just said, I'm glad they didn't come out in body bags. I mean, what should they have done? 
Well, I think as neighbors, there's a few things you can do. You certainly want to notify the police. Um, The Division of Children and Family Services is an important agency. They they can't just go in, but if they've had a couple, it, it varies a little bit state to state. But if they have had reports, then they do have to do an investigation. Again, I would imagine these women are pretty clever at Uh, covering that up. But um, I think I would be very curious when I notice someone's not at home or different times, I would, I would want to try and find out more. I would look, I would be curious, like, how did they think something was going to happen and hope they weren't going to come out in body bags, but not really pursue trying to help these children. It's like, we, we hope neighbors aren't that um, like, just turn the other cheek. Hmm. Look at this comment right here from Sue. COE, my wife, is my new favorite podcaster. She does her homework. Now, let me deconstruct this. Number one, I'm not jealous at all that you're calling her your favorite podcaster. Not competitive at all. It's fine. It really is fine. And I'm glad she's doing it because uh, it's taken some of the uh, the burden off uh, yours truly. Now, homework, um, let's put it this way. The COE's IQ is a very high level, very, very, her and Space Coast, very high IQs. And uh, she can read something once six months ago, um, and she will remember it. Now, if I ask her who the uh, defense secretary is, she will likely not know. If I ask her who the president is, she may or may not know. Uh, (laughs) But she prepares for a show. Uh, she will read something once and it will stick with her where I, on the other hand, will spend hours, hours. I, the ratio is like six out, six to one for every hour she spends, I would have to spend six hours to get the same result. So she can be, be her favorite podcaster and she does prepare, but she prepares in her own way. And now let the hate mail flow, please, <laughs> please let the hate mail flow. Um, Allie B from Tennessee, I've missed you. Hey, Joel, COE mods and all the chat. Happy Tuesday. Let me just play this back. This is so disturbing. I don't know. It's like I have to listen to it twice to actually hear it. And then we will slowly look at this. I live 10 minutes from purgatory. It is a beautiful area. Candace, I need a shirt that says purgatory correctional facility. If you can get me one of those surviving the survivor at Gmail, I will promise to pay you back. Uh, KCL, best guest in true crime. Yes, it is. The desert down there was named that purgatory by early pioneers because they had KCL knows everything about everything. It's kind of crazy. This this woman is if you guys need a paralegal, she's probably an attorney, but if you're a paralegal, call KCL. Here is uh, Jody Hildebrandt one more time and then we'll start to wrap it up. I sincerely love these children. I desire for them to heal physically and emotionally. One of the reasons I did not go to trial is that I did not want them to emotionally relive the experience which would have been detrimental to them. My hope and prayer is that they will heal and move forward to have beautiful lives. I am willing to submit to what the state feels would be an appropriate amount of time served to make restitution. 
as an outcome. And in answer to your question, Your Honor, I knew that whatever she might say to the author of the pre-sentence report would probably be sound uh, hollow or, and self-serving, and perhaps it does today. But I know that my client, in the statement that she makes to the court today, that that, that, that statement is absolutely sincere. Not does just Hildebrandt recognize that it's her behavior that that caused the harm to the children that she's referred to in her statement? Your Honor, she recognizes that she was, along with Miss Frankie, um, that, that she made decisions with respect to the discipline of those children that were wrong, that caused harm to those children. She fully recognizes that and accepts responsibility for that. All right. Anything else? No, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Okay. Look at this, the COE admitting the only reason she knows who the president is because in Delaware County, when he was a VP, she interviewed him. That's how she knows who the president is, is what I'm talking about. She picks up she picks up knowledge along the way. Uh, Darby Fox, while reading the uh, sentencing recommendation, the state prosecutor, a guy named Eric Clark, um, compared Ruby Frankie's children and children's environment to a concentration camp-like setting and said she committed horrible acts of child abuse. Um, what are your thoughts on that comparison? I mean, I think it's it's reasonable. Starvation is the being bound, putting cayenne pepper in open wounds. It's torture. Like, I, I just, it, it would be. I mean, I don't know about exactly what happened, but from what you read in any of these pieces, it is like a concentration camp. Mm. Uh, I mean, actively, it's not just like neglect. I mean, to put cayenne pepper in a small child's open wound yeah. is is very disturbing. Yeah, it, it's um, it's really it, it's horrific. Some of the um, the plea deal that they worked out has some more details. It says that the um, the son, obviously, we just found out was kept bound. Um, that's why he had those wounds. But um, Greg Scordis, the daughter was forced to do manual labor. These are the ones that we know of in the hot sun in the Utah sun with no water or shoes. Um, how can they not throw the book at these people? Well, they did, Joel. That's exactly what happened today. And by the way, the hot sun is doesn't get hotter in the state of Utah than it does down in the southern part of the state where this occurred. I mean, that would have been that that's an area that we get 100, 110 degree summer days. Um, the judge did throw the book at them, Joel. He gave them the maximum possible sentence that he could have given them, which is one to 15 years on each count consecutive to one another not probation, not one day off. So, you know, I, I guess we could start with the fact that the state charged them initially with six counts each and pled them down to four. But as a practical matter, that's 60 years that the board has to work with. And given the age of these two defendants, uh, 60 years is a life sentence if the board chooses to do that. So to me, 60 or 90 wouldn't have made a difference. 
they they got the book thrown at them by the state of Utah, uh, by the the prosecutors there in Washington County, and by the judge today who gave them the max, the the most he could have possibly done. And by the way, I agree with Glamis Girl. I think that Jody was probably the architect, the one pushing the uh, proverbial buttons in this case. Uh, Sky Lazar, I got to ask you this question, which I know is annoying because defense attorneys get this <laughs> asked all the time. But both children were also often told that they were possessed and that their punishments were necessary to help them. How, as a defense attorney, do you cope with knowing that your client? Um, has done such heinous things. How do you how do you rationalize that in your own mind, especially this Hildebrandt's guy who's getting up there saying, look, she really means it. She's really actually sincere. How, how do you how do you square that in you your know, own mind? As, as a defense attorneys, we're not in charge of the facts. The facts come to us as they are. We can't change them. Uh, a lot of the work we do is, is mitigation type work uh, to try to get cases resolved or, you know, manage the collateral consequences of the fallout and, and whatnot. Um, you know, you, you hear and, and see a lot of things as a defense attorney you wish you could unsee. Um, and it, you know, really, it, I, I view our job as, as, you know, kind of being the last defenders of the rights of people. Um, you know, it, whether we we want to agree with it or not and in cases like this where the facts are horrendous it's it's easy to say you know they should you know just be thrown in prison and forgotten forever but the reality is is the rules have to apply to everybody and everybody has to has to follow the rules and and investigating cases and and prosecuting cases and cases need to be litigated and and sentenced appropriately so it you know i i don't know i I can't think that I would ever do anything different, um, but you know, we all get cases with facts we we don't like that that are bad, and and you really just kind of do the best you can with with what you have. And when you have clients who, you know, I, I probably, you know, I don't know what what Jody Hildebrandt conversations like with her attorney, but if she wasn't going to fill out the statement for AP and P. And the pre-sentence report, I probably would have just told her to say nothing. You know, I appreciate the fact she said that the kids, she took the pleas so the kids didn't have to come testify. But, you know, you, you can always just say nothing. So, yeah. You know, and, sometimes and, and, sometimes you know, uh, less is more. And, and in some cases, I mean, the reality is, is we represent people all the time who uh, are overcharged. We represent people who made a mistake, you know. It doesn't make them bad people. I mean, we're here talking about a, a pretty egregious case of child abuse. So I, I don't want anyone to be, you know, misconstrued that I'm trying to make light of what we're here to talk about. But, you know, in a lot of cases, you come across people that, you know, just had a bad day and, and made a mistake. And it doesn't make them a terrible person. They just, you have to get them through the process and, and get them, you know, onto the other side. And uh, maybe Jill, Jill says it best. Both, uh, best. Both those abusers are sickos. They had better not get four years, including Ruby. Uh, one last thing, and then we get closing thoughts. Um, Ruby Frankie Darby apologized to her husband. Here's a direct quote: "You are the love of my life. The ending of our marriage is a tragedy." And then 
Ruby Frankie's brother comes out and says, at the continued encouragement of Ms. Hildebrand, Ruby systematically pushed those around, uh, around her away. First myself, and then our sisters, parents, and close friends, and then her husband, and finally her own children. Ruby has clearly been brainwashed. She has been taken advantage of by Miss Hildebrand. I mean, first you kind of have um, victim, uh, you know, her. she's claiming victimization that uh, her, the end of her marriage is such a tragedy. And then you have her brother claiming she's a victim of this brainwashing. I just, I mean, I don't. I don't find that an excuse. She had a successful parenting, you know, show for a few years. She talked about things in there that she did, like the six-year-old forgot her lunch one day and she purposely told her daughter, you know, you'll learn if you starve all day. I mean, those are things that was before her involvement with Jody. So did Jody push it to some end? Did they have some kind of, I mean, do they have a relationship between the two of them? What extent? Is it sexual? I have no idea. But I I think they joined together because they had like minds. I don't I don't think that we can blame this on her. The, certainly the older children have described that this has gone on for a while. And the COE has one more soundbite. She did the work. So let me pull this up real quick. We'll listen to it and get final thoughts. So disoriented that I believed dark was light and right was wrong. I would do anything in this world for you. I took from you all that was soft and safe and good. One more time. This is her uh, crying, breaking down I was so disoriented. That I believed dark was light and right was wrong. I would do anything in this world for you. I took from you all that was soft and safe and good. Uh, no better person to get a comment from than Darby Fox. She's a child and adolescent family therapist. Her book, Rethinking Your Teenager, Shifting from Conflict and Control to Structure and Nurture. I need nurturing and I need structure. Uh, she's an expert on parenting and family topics. Uh, what what do you make of that? Uh, you know, she twisted, you know, good from bad, evil, light from dark, et cetera, et cetera. Um, your last thoughts here, Darby Fox. I'll leave it open-ended. I don't mean to sound so cynical, but again, that you didn't know light from dark and you didn't know you weren't supposed to abuse small human beings like i just i don't believe that and we hear in her pleas and her statement today no one's bringing up a case or a defense about her being um not able to stand trial because of mental disorder like that i don't i didn't find that in anything i read i could be wrong but anything i saw that was never a defense and um, I don't think we should let it be in those final statements. Hmm. Um, she just wanted to be famous, says Pat Ferguson. By the way, neither here nor there, but I watched, I'm watching too much TV, but I watched Griselda on Netflix. It happened, takes place in Miami. Uh, one of the most infamous uh, drug runners in the world and a uh, great show if you haven't seen it. Sophie Vergara. Uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Please give Joel a 
five star. I just read what someone said. I'm like Ron Burgundy. I just read what's on the screen. Uh, give me one star. I mean, five stars. Uh, I saw that. So give me five stars. Sky Lazaro. She is an experienced corporate and criminal defense attorney. She's now <clears throat> representing my <clears throat> my voice is going. The COE is really going to have to do every show. Uh, she's now representing Corey Richens, the Utah mom accused of poisoning her husband, Eric Richens, with five times the lethal dose of fentanyl. Uh, someone asked, why don't you get Sky on? Good defense attorney will never talk about a current case. <laughs> um, no one can call me uh, sexist or yell at me for this. I'm doing this as a public service at the behest of PSS. Joel, can you please ask Sky what her skincare regimen is? Her skin is flawless. Help a sister out. I help out my community. They want to know. That is a doctor, by the way. Uh, I know Sky's a big yogi, but Sky, what is the skincare um, secret, Sky? A filter. <laughs> I need that. I need that filter. I wish I could say something else. Skinceuticals. I wash my face on occasion. You're a, you're a big yogi, aren't you? You're big into yoga, I, right? I do a lot of yoga and horses. Yoga horses. and what? Oh, there you go. Um, Sky, your final thoughts on this. Um, should the book be thrown at them? I still I still am not clear. How much time are these women going to serve at the end of the day? I, mean, I wish we all knew. I mean, we can let's do a follow up when the board comes back with an original hearing date and we can all use the about whether or not it was enough. I, I, I think it's a I think it's tough. I think it will depend on uh, the county attorney said in a. I know we have to go, but real quick, he said in a follow-up interview after words today that there was uh, some information that he was going to send over to the board on Hildebrandt uh, that included some phone calls uh, that she made from the jail. They're going to take all that into consideration, um, and and they'll take into consideration, you know, if if someone wants to come and speak on behalf of the victims, uh, and whether or not that's favorable or uh, or not. I mean, I've I've had I've represented people where you know years later victims come forward and say hey I've I've you know made peace with this I've forgiven them they've served their time enough is enough so you know I'll, things change with time so it, I, I wish I could answer your question I wish I wish I could answer everybody's question but that's indeterminate sentences we just don't know Sky, you sound like a politician. You needed to do what Greg Scordis did and run for uh, Attorney General of Utah. You'd be a good okay. politician. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try it with Greg Scordis here. Greg Scordis, he's practiced law since '82. Even though he looks 28, he started off at the Salt Lake Legal Defenders, like Sky Lazaro did. Greg Scordis, at the end of the day, how much time are each of these women, each of these women, going to serve? And your final thoughts. I think it would be unlikely, Joel, that either of these women will get out of prison before eight or ten, 10 years. I know the guideline range is something less than that, but this case drew so much uh, publicity and so much attention that it really uh, it really merits the most. And you know, in this case, and I, I think Darby uh, may have talked about this a little bit, really points out that every once in a while you get the perfect storm of two people, whether it's Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell or uh, uh, Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt who have no business getting together because when they do, all hell breaks loose. And, and people like that 
just feed on each other. And, and they both sort of blame each other. Uh, we expected that from uh, Ruby Frankie. Our attorneys told us at the very beginning that they were bring, uh, blaming uh, Hildebrand. But it, at the end of the day, children were hurt. Uh, children were seriously hurt by their mother and by a, a person who was supposedly uh, teaching her how to better raise her children. And there's just no excuse for that. So just the hypocrisy of this whole thing is stunning. And uh, it, uh, this chapter of it's over. There wasn't a trial. A jury didn't have to decide. A judge did. The prosecutors did. The defense attorneys did a good job on this case to get their clients where they are. But the Board of Pardons is not going to be easy on these two defendants for a minute. Hmm. Someone just said that you remind them of an actor. They can't. Ned Smith did. Couldn't put their finger on. I say he's uh, Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford, mix, <laughs> hybrid. <laughs> Uh, big thanks, now. by the way. Yeah. Someone's it. birthday. I missed whose birthday it is, but happy birthday to happy birthday to Zoe B. Happy birthday, Zoe. Enjoy your day. Big thanks to Space Ghost and to the fabulous STS mods. I am not T Pain, Gen X Granny, Copper Horse, Frankie Figs, and Shaquille O'Meal. They do not get enough of the credit. They keep this show together and uh they are our spine. Shout out to Meve Moen, Steve Cohen books the guests and of course the coe who not only does all the work behind the scenes in the space coast but now the coe uh is also hosting her own podcast for those who don't know she was a cbs news network correspondent and then uh Lilith harrison ford for sure someone said robert dennison no idea who he is but i'm sure i've seen him a million times uh and i have no idea what i was oh billy crudup that's a good one from uh, the morning show i can see that that's a good show, by the way. If you work in news, it is. It's kind of funny. Uh, I could see that, Billy Crowd. That's a good one. Um, I just totally forgot. Uh, oh, so she's doing her own show. That's the bottom line. And COE, how do we, COE, how do we know when you're going to do your next show? Um, it's much like real life. You're unpredictable. When will your next show be? COE. I've only done three of them, and they've all been the same time and the same day. Tuesdays at 1230 Eastern Time. Oh, here we go. Thank you, Gen X Granny. Tuesdays and when can we expect the next one? When, uh, when is the next well, one, and who is it? very next Tuesday. I haven't planned it out yet. There you go. You know when it's going to be planned? Monday night at uh, <laughs> 11.59. And so uh, tune in then. Consulting with STS Nation. All right, beautiful. We'll leave the COE here. I can feel how uncomfortable she is. An amazing panel till tomorrow. Love you, America. By the way, we're back to Shanna Gardner, very similar to the Adelson Markell story where a hit was put out on Jared Brodigan's life. Uh, and Shanna Gardner, the ex wife, is in a lot of trouble. Greg Scordis, very quickly, why do people kill their spouses and not get divorces? You're a wise man. What's going on? If I can't have you, no one will. And that's what it comes down to. People will just say, if you're not going to be with me, you're not going to be with anyone else. It's awful. It's it's the worst thing you could imagine but besides hurting your children or something like that. But that's what I hear from abusers. Mm, very interesting. I will take your word for that. Look at that. Ending on a word of wisdom. Love you, America. Love you, Utah. Love you, Connecticut. Love you, the Republic of Ireland and uh, every other country that I'm leaving now. And of course, the mods, you are the best. So, tomorrow.
final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs> 